0: How many of you noticed that Ryan and I got haircuts this week, hey? Don't your pastors look so sharp? It must have been payday or something that last week, and we, we were able to go and get our uh, go get our haircuts. So, um, Talking uh, this this week, uh, something that's been on my heart a little bit, and uh, it's, it's come up a few different times in some different contexts and different conversations and things. And it's this idea of uh, learning how to have uh, um, courageous conversations. Learning how to have those difficult, tough conversations at times with with people who are in our circle. That that um, you, you know, how do you, how do you lean into that when you feel like you, you've got something to share with somebody, or maybe uh, there's something that's on your heart. Uh, maybe there's a, a a broken relationship or a strained relationship. And how do you lean into that? And um, we've been doing some some small updating and renovation projects in our house. We kind of chip away at it a little bit at a time. Our house is about 20 years old, so there are definitely some parts of it that need some, need some freshening up. And the, the last project that we undertook uh, about uh, just over the last month has been, uh, we've been redoing a bunch of our blinds and our window blinds. And um, Ours are old, like the aluminum. They're all dented and crinkled, and the ropes and stuff are all knotted up, and they're an ugly brown color. And it just, we have really cool gray paint in our house, and they don't go. And it just, it was just time to go. So I, I was looking for a, a good price, found a good deal on uh, on that thing they call the internet, and uh, and so I put put together my my order. There was a, a promo on, and uh, when I was doing the order. I didn't realize that when you're going down, there's, this, there's a checkbox that says, "Do you want like the external mounting uh, with a valance, or do you want them to be like internal in the inside of the window frame with, with no valance and no, no frame?" And um, and I just kind of, in my rush, I, I guess I didn't I didn't really see that one, and I kind of just and um, and so uh, what happens is it, in the fine print says if you don't make a selection, they'll default to uh, coming with a valance and the manufacturer will make all the appropriate changes in the measurements and stuff so it all, it all fits. The only problem is I didn't want external mounted, I wanted inside the window mounted. And so I opened up the boxes and started to take a look and, and put them up and I found out that I had ordered $1,000 worth of custom cut non-returnable blinds that now didn't fit my windows like, ah! And um, my wife was away with my daughter for competitive uh, gymnastics for a competition there out of town, and I was gonna surprise her and get all the blinds up when she was gone. And uh, so this is now like Sunday night after church, and uh, her plane lands at like 11.30 that night, and I'm like, okay, I gotta figure out, I gotta get this done. And so I I thought, you know what, maybe I could just, like, do a test cut on one of the blinds and figure out, like, I could just, like, hack it down a little bit, and then, yeah, I can get this to work. So I set up in the garage and got out my saw, and zing, and, you know, took it upstairs, and, oh, I, this, this, is, this, is, this will work, I can do this. And I went back down, and the garage is obliterated with, like, all the little white, little fibrous bits from the cutoff. Like, it was one, one blind cut, and it was everywhere in my garage. And I thought, you know what, if I am going up and down, up and down, up and down the stairs all night, making a cut, measuring, coming back down, and, and like, it's going to take me forever. I said, i got to figure out a quicker way to do this. So I thought, you know what, I could set up in the kitchen, and I could cut everything in the kitchen. And, um, and I'm like, then I'm like, right there, and I don't have to come up and down the stairs, and I'm like, but you know, my, in my gift mix strategic is like my number one gift, okay? So I know that I, I'm, I'm already a step ahead. I'm like, you know what? I can get my shop vac. I can plug my shop vac in, put it right below and have it running right below where I'm doing all my cuts so as all the stuff falls down and it lands on the floor right in front, and the shop vac will just suck it all up and good to go, right? So I'm like, okay, I can do this. So I set everything up, did a test in my kitchen, did the cut, looked down. There's only a couple of little bits of fiber on the floor in front of the shop vac. I'm like awesome, so I laid out all the blinds, did all the measurements, hacked through all of everything, got everything cut and broken down, and, and, uh, and looked down, there's only a little bit of, like, stuff on the floor, went down with the shop back hose to, like, you know, suck them up, these last little bits, and they went, they blew away, and I thought, huh, And I looked a little closer at my shop back and I saw that the hose was coming out of the blower end, not the intake end. And I was so focused on watching the cut line when I was cutting, I didn't look at where they were going and hitting and going in behind me. And so I felt that level of that that like self-disgust and shame on me kind of like, ugh, And I looked behind and my kitchen is obliterated in little white fibers, like everywhere. And they're static cling, like when you cut them they get this, this, it's like a psychotic cling to them. They stick to everything, all over the walls. Up on the ceiling, the light fixtures, in the ducts, they were on the cupboards, they were in the sink, the dog food, the placemats on the table, the, the floor mats, everywhere. My whole kitchen was completely obliterated. And I was so focused on watching that cut line, and then I'd look down every once in a while, and there's nothing on the floor, and not realizing that behind me, there's a white vortex going around in my kitchen. And just as I finished making the last one and realizing this, um, my, my precious daughter, Ava, my 11-year-old, beautiful, awesome, cute, blonde little girl who just loves me so much, she came in, and she says, Whoa, Dad! Mom is not gonna be happy with you! <laughs> and uh, and I, I, just, I just said, Oh, stupid, stupid, stupid! Why am I so stupid? And, uh, and she, she comes up to me, and she, she says, Dad, she, she puts her hands, and she says, Dad, you're not stupid. You just do really dumb things. <laughs> And, uh, and my daughter had a crucial conversation with me there in the kitchen. And the reality is, is I just was impatient. I had a couple hours and I rushed and I'm like, I can get this done. And I didn't pay attention to the details. And it's true, I'm not stupid, at least on most days, I just sometimes do dumb things. And we don't like to be told that stuff. We don't like to be reminded of that stuff. We don't. We don't like that to come to our attention. I don't like to be told that I'm impatient. It gets me impatient. And um, and so it. It's like all this stuff comes up, and uh, I share that story to illustrate that the truth often hurts. Um, no one likes to find out that there's an area in our life that we need to work on or there's something that, that needs to be addressed. Let's say, for, for illustration's sake, let's say your name is Susan. Let's say that, as Susan, you had up the West Coast sales for a company. And you get an email, and it it's from your boss, and it says, Hi, Susan, I got the numbers for the last quarter, and they're not really great. I'm going to fly in on Friday so we can have a chat about your role, and your department in the company. Now, how many of you are so looking forward to that talk all week long? Like, you can hardly wait to have that chat. Like, anytime somebody calls and says they want to have a chat with you, that's usually like, oh, and it starts to get kind of all restless. And none of your friends ever want to hang out and say, let's go have a chat. They always say, like, hey, let's go hang out. And so... um, You get that call, you get that email, and you're just, and you just, it begins to go around and around the angst and the restlessness and the discomfort. And you start putting like all the worst things that are gonna come out of that meeting you start coming up with all the all the defenses and all the reasons and all the things about they are out of your control and you couldn't do it and it was this person's fault and you had this challenge and you didn't know about this and this made it hard and and you know some of those things might be true some of those things might be very legitimate and but but we we end up kind of just we're thinking about it and all that restlessness and all that stuff kind of rises up and it really gets us on edge well you know the other side of that is that some of you are the ones who have to give those conversations. Sometimes you're in a role, might be in a, a, a team project, might be in a, in a job that you're in, might be in a relationship circle that you're in where you're the one that's calling us. Some of you are the one that you're, you're the one calling the meeting. Sometimes you're the one who has requested that meeting. And you know, it, what I've found is when I have to have those tough conversations with somebody, you know what, I'm, I, I'm not looking forward to it either. I'm not looking forward to that tough meeting I have to have on Friday. All week, I'm thinking, oh man, I hope this goes good and I hope it's received well and I hope it doesn't you know, go down the toilet. And, 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 and what happens is, it doesn't matter what side of the conversation you're on. Having tough, honest conversations is never easy for everyone involved. And so it's really great to find a way to kind of work through them, and how do you work through them effectively, and how do you work through them from a a positive place? Uh, Relational experts tell us that in order to have a successful, tough conversation, you need to have a good balance of both grace and truth. And this is part of where Jesus can really help us. In John 1.14, this is speaking about Jesus. The scripture says, "'And the word became flesh and lived among us, "'and we have seen his glory.'" The glory as of a father's only son. And it says this about Jesus, full of grace and truth. So Jesus is full of grace and truth. This is his character. This is who he is. This, is. this is what defines who Jesus is for us. He's full of grace and truth. And Jesus models this perfect harmony of these two qualities. And we can draw upon that for inspiration, for how to lean in and have these conversations when, when the conversation needs grace but it also needs some truth. And there are a few good resources. Um, if you've ever been in a leadership course, some of you have taken some of these things in, in business school and some courses. A couple of really great books, Fierce Conversations, by Susan Scott. There's a collaborative work called Crucial Conversations. And uh, these are some, th- th- there's entire curriculums and courses and resources built around these things. And as you get going, even in your careers, uh, I would guess that some of you are going to be in workshops and some training situations where you're going to come across some of these things. And they're really great additions to picking up some skills on how to have. Fierce conversations, how to lean into crucial conversations, and so I wanted to just kind of look at this idea a little bit. And um, my talks build on a couple of big ideas. Okay, two main big ideas. One is avoiding the issue will not fix it. Experts would agree that avoiding tough conversations, kind of like kind of going around it and not heading it on, not not dealing with it, not facing it, not not leaning into that, that it only delays an inevitable conflict. And the longer things go unaddressed, the worse the situation becomes. And this is what happens is workplace environments and relationships that you have, significant relationships, when, when there's an issue that is not being addressed, when it's kind of pushed under and it's not being dealt with, what happens is levels of passive aggressiveness begin to rise. And there's a toxicity that happens in the workplace. There's a toxicity that begins to happen in the relationship. And the relationship will begin to break down. You are not trusting. You're not loving. You're not sharing. You're not experiencing things together. You're not being vulnerable together. And at every level, it just begins to crumble. And the relationship is jeopardized. And eventually, as all these things do, eventually, they're gonna come to a head. And the longer the dysfunction has gone unchallenged, the longer things have been able to just kind of sit at the status quo and never been dealt with, the more difficult it is to begin to unravel it all and to make sense of it all and to resolve it. The longer it goes, the more kind of entrenched we get, the more invested we become, the more, the, the, the more hurt, the more misunderstanding can happen when we start to try to handle it and deal with it. And so having a courageous conversation is never easy. And it requires us to step out of our comfort zone and take a risk. And the way to making things better is to learn how to lean into the conversation, learn how to lean into the discomfort with grace and truth, with the grace and truth of Jesus. Because avoiding it isn't gonna fix it. Another is, uh, another kind of big idea for the talk is that every courageous conversation is an opportunity for Jesus to shine. What if every time you faced a conflict, you saw it as an opportunity for the ministry of Jesus to show up? You see, Jesus is in the business of reconciliation. And as his ambassadors, we are carriers of Christ. And we carry the ministry of reconciliation with us. And Jesus is about reconciliation. He's about restoration. And we carry that ministry in every relationship that we have. One of the greatest testimonies to the love of Jesus, one of the greatest ways that we can honor Jesus, one of the greatest ways we can share a testimony of who Jesus is, is by living out and extending grace and forgiveness and mercy to others, the same grace and mercy and forgiveness that we receive from Jesus. It's one of the ways we, we honor Jesus by extending that to others. And so every broken and difficult relationship, every strained relationship that you have in your life is an opportunity for the reconciliation of Jesus to be present. And we can rely on Jesus and, and ask Jesus for help in that area. So uh, I wanted to just give a couple helps for create, courageous conversations. Some, some really practical things because every one of us finds ourselves in a, in a, in a context, in a relationship that requires us to have a hard conversation. Whether that's setting up a boundary, whether that's saying, hey, you know what, you really hurt me, I wanna talk about this, I wanna talk about your, your actions and your behavior, I wanna talk about what you're doing to yourself, what you're doing to me, I wanna, every one of us is in a relationship and faces relationships. sooner or later, we're gonna, we're gonna be in that kind of a context. And so here are some things that can help. One is to start with a good foundation how do you start with a good foundation? I think one of the first things is to have patience. Proverbs, 12, uh, Pro, Proverbs 17, 27 says, a man of knowledge uses words with restraint, and a man of understanding is even tempered. Proverbs 29, 11 says, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. In other words, avoid reactionary, in the moment, heated discussions. Wait a day before you reply back to that text. Wait a day before you respond to that email. Get some perspective, get a breather, step back, ponder things. When I have to respond to a difficult scenario or difficult relationship, one of the things that I found is helpful for me is to run it by another member of our team. And so a trusted member of our team, I might say, okay, here's the situation. Here's what's happening. Here's what was said to me. Here's how I'm responding. What do you think? And I find it really helps me to kind of write it down. And so I've, I often will, if it, 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 it often goes, whether it's in a text or an email, first. Because it really helps me be clear on what I'm saying and what I'm not saying, rather than just like verbiting out right away. And then it's an opportunity for me to follow up to verbally follow up in a conversation after. But you know, to, to run that by somebody first, say, what do you think? You know, it's really good to get some, uh, some uh, objective input. It's really good to be able to have somebody give you some pushback, say, you know what? Um, I think this part here, you're sounding a little defensive. I don't, I don't think that's necessary. I don't think this is really what it's about. I like what you're saying here. I think this is really good. I, I, would, I would focus on that. It's really good to get that perspective because sometimes in our, our, in our impatience, we're just quick. We're quick to pull the trigger. We're quick to hit send. We're quick to hit reply. And we, uh, we often say things and, and do things that uh, we wish we hadn't. We can't take it back. Um, if you can't talk without your emotions taking over, it's best to give it a little bit of time. You know, I find with, um, with my kids, I have, I have uh, three beautiful daughters. Two of them are teenagers. And um, I'm, a, I'm a struggling dad. And, um, and I find that with my, with, my, with my daughters, there's like, you can see the switch turn. When I am impatient with them, when I become angry, it's like, as soon as I get to that place, I can see them just shut down. And it actually doesn't matter from that point on what comes out of my mouth. Because their, their defenses are up, their protection mechanism is up, they don't wanna hear it and they're not engaged. And so I have to learn that if I'm, I'm, if I'm like angry and, I'm, and my emotions, I have to step back from that because it's not helpful, it's not gonna, it doesn't matter what I say, it doesn't matter how good what I have to say is. That alone is gonna nullify the conversation. Another really great way to start with a good foundation is to remember respect. Author Joseph Grenny, who's part of the Crucial Conversations uh, collaborative work, says um, uh, something becomes a crucial conversation when it involves high stakes, strong emotions, and deferring opinions. And when this happens, it's really important that everybody involved feels respected. Have you ever been in a disagreement with someone? and instead of them kind of presenting why they believe what they do or why they think their idea is right or why they wanna propose that this is the reason we should do it, instead of doing that, what they do is they take a shot at you and your idea and they start to like tear down what you are presenting and what you're bringing. You know, that is something that really, if you wanna kind of get me fired up, it's to kind of dismiss me and it's to kind of just push my idea and just say, you know, it's without merit and kind of disregard it and dismiss it. And, and, oh, that just irritates me so much. And the moment that we feel that respect is lost in a conversation, the conversation ceases to move forward. And sometimes, sometimes you can be in a conversation and the other person is totally unreasonable, totally unrealistic, like, it's, you, you, don't, you don't get it. It's like they are the ones. They're totally, but as soon as we start communicating that and letting that be known, as soon as we start presenting ourselves that that's what we've judged them on and we, we stop respecting them, even if we're right, it's gonna shut down that conversation. And so respect is really important because as soon as the person senses that you are speaking out of that, it will shut it down. Another is, spiritual covering, another good foundation. If you wanna have a tough conversation and you wanna have a courageous conversation with somebody, you need to give it some spiritual covering. If we're gonna minister in the spirit of reconciliation, remember, if you're trying to to bring about reconciliation and restoration in a relationship, and you're gonna lean into the ministry of reconciliation that comes from Jesus, there is going to be spiritual opposition against it. The enemy is going to try to work against it. In fact, Ephesians 4.27 tells us to protect our relationships to prevent the enemy getting a foothold in them. And when we are in a, courageous conversation with somebody. It is so easy for a misunderstanding to arise. It is so easy for misinterpretation, miscommunication. It's so easy for offense to take place. It's so easy for hurt to happen. It's so easy for these things where the conversation you think is going one way and then it goes in a whole different direction. and You're like, how did that even happen? You know what? The enemy gets a foothold. The enemy wants to cause division he wants to cause dissension. He wants to bring chaos into your relationships. You know that you can be in all kinds of difficult, stressful things. You can be in like, maybe school isn't going good, your finances aren't going good, everything becomes kind of shaky and you're wondering and maybe you planned a, a direction and you picked a, a course and you've been it and you realize I don't even like this thing and I don't even know why I'm doing this. And There to be a lot of stuff, but when you're relationships, when you're tight circle, when the people who are closest to you, when there's dissension, when there's tension, when there's breakdown, it really affects every area of your life. And if there's an area where the enemy can come in and just start hammering away, it is in your core relationships. It is to get a foothold in there. Because when he gets a foothold in your relationships, he can get a foothold in your life. And he will cause all kinds of chaos and destruction. Because you know what? We get a lot of our strength, our security, we get a lot of our groundedness from feeling like, you know what? I'm okay. The people around me, this is okay. You know what? The world and everything else around me, man, it's hard, it's tough, but I'm good. My people are good. But when your people aren't good, it makes it really difficult. And so spiritual covering is highly important because the enemy wants to bring division. You know, one of the other reasons that spiritual covering is so good and so important, it's not just to get the help from the Holy Spirit. It's not just to ask the Holy Spirit to work and minister and make sure that this doesn't go crazy and, and that it's not used for the enemy. Another reason that spiritual covering is so helpful for you is because it's really hard. It's really hard to go and sit in Jesus' feet And say, Jesus, would you help me bless this person? Would you help this situation not be broken? Would you help heal this situation? Would you help reconcile this situation? It's really hard to do that when you're fuming mad and you're angry with the person. And what happens is by sitting in Jesus, by making it a spiritual issue and asking for Jesus to spiritually work and help, what it does is it gets your own heart right. It puts your own heart in check. Because you have to say, Jesus, I, I confess this is, you know what, there's some stuff here that I did and it's messy and I just, I just pray, Lord, that you would help make it right. The very fact that you do that, what you're posturing yourself is you're put, putting your own heart right and you're taking it to Jesus and you're, and you're letting him work in it. Now, another thing to do, other than uh, maybe starting from a good foundation, is just the practical step and the practical step is to speak the truth in love. This is um, something we get from Ephesians 4.15. This scripture says, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. This is a passage of scripture that is speaking about spiritual maturity. It's speaking about becoming a growing, strong, healthy believer, healthy Christian, who's mature. And what it says is you will grow, you will become mature, by speaking the truth in love to one another. That's about by being real, by being authentic, by helping one another, by, by strengthening and sharp, uh, sharpening iron and those kinds of relationships. It's by having the f- kinds of relationships and truth in your life that can uh, make a big difference. It's how we grow. So how do I know I'm speaking the truth in love? How do you know that the conversation you're having is truth in love? Well, One of the things to ask, is this conversation restorative? What is the reason behind the conversation? Speaking truth in love means the end goal is to restore the relationship and the situation. You see, Jesus came to restore himself. Jesus, he has the ministry of reconciliation, and it's about trying to make things right. And part of speaking truth in love is to ensure that the reason you're having that conversation is that it's restorative in nature. Another question to ask is, is this conversation communicating that I care? Does the person know I'm speaking to them because I care about them? Does the person know I'm speaking to them because I care about the health of the organization or the bigger picture? Am I having this conversation because I'm reacting or retaliating? Is this conversation about getting back at the person or hurting them? Or is the person, or does the person know that this conversation is happening because I care about them and the situation and what's happening here? Another question is Is this conversation about me or the issue? It's amazing how many times we will make something about us. We make it about ourselves when it's not really about ourselves and our own emotions. And our own issues and our own hurt and our own stuff gets in the way. And it changes how we act and how we It changes how we see things. And we have to ask, is this about me or is this about the bigger issue at hand? I'm gonna get the band to come. We're gonna get ready to, to close. And uh, I just wanna share a story as we get ready to kind of wrap things up tonight. In one of our, our social media feeds uh, in the last while, uh, one, of our, one of our social media posters, they, they, they put something up, a, a post that said, you know something to the effect of come be a part of our community. We want to be a community that's welcoming and accepting. They put up the everyone is welcome. Nobody's perfect. Anything's possible. And said you know we want to try to connect you in and help you help you find some some friends and uh, get involved in community and this kind of thing. And and a, and a person responded back by saying that. Um, that you know what that was that was false and our church wasn't like that and wasn't very good and um, they had had a bad experience and they had tried to get a hold of us five or six times private messages and and uh, reached out to us in different things and nobody ever got back to them and they felt really hurt and really really wounded and they were just like this this whole post is like not even true and um, when I found that out and when the person brought that to to, to my attention. Um, we immediately knew we had to respond to this. We had to like, this is, this is not cool. We got we to gotta, we gotta try to find a way to, to, to deal with this. And so uh, we checked all of our accounts, all of our social media accounts, uh, all of our email database and our archives, checked with all of our moderators, checked with everybody involved. And and we have no record at all of this person ever sending anything. No, nothing in spam boxes, nothing in... We, we don't know who this person is, never heard of this person, don't know where they came from or who they are. And we have no record of anything. And so I, it, it irritated me. Because I'm thinking, you know what? I wonder if this person is just being a troll on the internet. You know those people who just... They just like, for whatever reason, they don't like a restaurant or a hotel or a small business and they write a bad review and they just cause all kinds of, and you know, sometimes those things are, they're on the internet for a long time. They're on there forever sometimes. And it's really hard to kind of get the full story behind that experience. And I think people can, they can do that about churches and stuff too. And I was like, man, who is this person? And what's their issue? And what is going on? And and instantly I'm just like, oh, I got, you know what? I felt attacked. I felt attacked personally. I felt like the church was being attacked. And I'm like, I gotta deal with this. We gotta like, and, and it just gets you all riled up. And instead of kind of lashing out, I decided, you know what? I need to take the approach that what if they're being truthful? What if they were hurt by us? What if we were in the wrong? What if something did slip through the cracks and we just, for whatever reason, missed it? And rather than react out of how it made me feel and making it about me, I had to position myself and posture myself to react out of what would Jesus do? What's the high road? What is my calling? We are a church. We're in the ministry of reconciliation. Could you imagine if that person really had that bad experience and they get another message from the pastor calling them a liar and a scammer and who do they think they are? And oh man, that person would never go to church again a day in their life. I'd never wanna be that guy. I never wanna be in front of Jesus one day and have that one come up. So I'm like, what am I called to do? We're in the ministry of reconciliation. We take the high road and we try to redeem it. And do you know what I learned in that process or what I was reminded again? Is it actually doesn't matter if that person was being dishonest and hurtful and was being a troll on the internet or they were being truthful. It doesn't matter. Because both of those scenarios, there's a broken relationship here. And what matters is I'm called to bring reconciliation to that relationship. That's the only thing that matters. And if we want to ask Jesus to help and we want to rely on Jesus to help us in a relationship, we have to be honorable. We have to take the high road. Jesus is not going to honor you. He's not going to help you hurt somebody. But Jesus can help you when you're honorable, when you're extending love and grace to somebody. And so I had to take that high road and try to apologize to this person. I reached out to them immediately. I said, it seems that we've let you down I apologize, please forgive me. Here's my number, here's Ryan's number. If you're mad, call Ryan. If you still just wanna talk, call me. And, and you know, it was like, whatever you need, whatever information you're looking for, whatever it is you needed, we wanna, we wanna help. We're here, just, just reach out to us. And, and, and you know, let, let's, try and, let's try and work this out. How else do we respond to something like that? And I'll tell you what, if you let anger and you let hurt and you let all that stuff get to the front of the line, you're gonna mow somebody down and you're gonna lose an opportunity to be Jesus and to be the ministry of reconciliation in their life. And so um, I wanna pray for you tonight. And as I've been closing our our services and and our times, uh, one of the things that I've really felt stirred in my heart is that we need to kind of push for more of a response and more for just kind of a being in the, uh, in, in the Holy Spirit and kind of response. So often doing like a, a show of hands or maybe having a time of prayer or um, maybe having people stand for prayer and those kinds of things. And, and tonight, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you uh, if this is kind of where you're at to stand and I'm gonna pray over you. And it's for this, is that if you feel like you're in a relationship, there's a relationship in your life, that is strained, is broken, is difficult, is hard. You know that you have to lean in and have a crucial conversation. You have to have a courageous conversation with somebody. Maybe it's even something you've kind of been putting off and you know that it's there and you've kind of been going around it. Or you know that it's gonna happen. You know that it's inevitable, that it's coming your way. I wanna pray for you that the Holy Spirit would cover you and that you would have the ministry of reconciliation upon you. And that you would have the courage of the Holy Spirit to lean in. That you would have the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to know when to do it and how to do it. And look for that opportunity. And you know, if you handle it right, if you bring grace and truth, if you speak truth in love, there is an invitation and an opportunity for you to give glory to Jesus. To model Jesus, to do what you can, to do whatever it is that you can do on your part to make things right. You may not be able to fix it. it Maybe a hard conversation. It may actually be a conversation where you have to put a boundary down, where you have to break a relationship off, where you have to make a change. You know what? That's okay. You can still honor Jesus by speaking truth and love in that kind of a conversation. And I encourage you to lean into those situations in your life and not to go around them anymore. Because you open the door for the Holy Spirit to show up and work in your life. You can join with the ministry of reconciliation of Jesus. You may be used by him. And our world needs that. Your friends need that. Your friends need to see maturity in relationships, the right way to handle things, and not the toxicity of, the, of, of our world, but the right way. And so I wanna pray for you if that's where you're at. And so I'm gonna ask you, if you're in a situation like that, you know there's a, there's a tough conversation or courageous conversation that's gonna to have to happen, would you just stand? And I'm just gonna pray over you. Jesus, I thank you. For those who are with us tonight and in this moment I'm thinking especially of those who are standing and saying God that's that's them there's a person there's a relationship scenario maybe with work maybe at school maybe with someone that's really close to them someone they, they care about and there's a hard conversation that has to happen and Jesus we pray for a spiritual covering over each life that is represented here. Each person that has stood up, God, we pray, spiritual covering over them. We ask, God, that you would protect them. We ask that this would not be used for the enemy to get a foothold or for the enemy to push even further in. We pray, God, that, that you would just stop that. We ask for the ministry of reconciliation and not freedom for the enemy to bring division. We pray, Jesus. We pray that in the moment of the Holy Spirit that you would be present in every life and every heart. We pray for an anointing on every person that's standing, that Jesus, you would speak to them, help them to know the very moment, help them to see the opportunity. We pray that you would create that opportunity and they would hear it, they'd be in tune with you. And that moment, God, when all that nervousness rises up, that they would be courageous enough, they would be powerful enough, and trust in you enough to take a risk and to lean into that conversation. And Jesus, help us to be a people that brings the truth and the love of Jesus to those that we love. We need you, God. We need your help in these areas. For those that are carrying responsibility for those that are in a situation where there's difficult conversations, even with someone at work or with a larger project, I pray, God, for your favor upon that. If the person has been oppressive, if the person has been aggressive, I pray, God, that we would not give in to fear, but we would graciously, truthfully, without emotion, without insecurity, we would lean into that. And we just ask for your help and your strength in Jesus' name.